The Outspoken Bible. Conversations about the Word. A podcast from Scottish Bible Society. Hello and welcome to Season 5, Episode 16 of The Outspoken Bible. I'm Fiona Stewart. I'm joined by Neil Glover and Jen Robertson. Hi, friends. Hello. Hello. Uh, I was trying a new greeting, but... I know, I, it's, yeah. it's, it's one of the most nerve-wracking parts of the podcast. Hardest <laughs> <laughs> bit to do, it's true. Yeah. Very difficult, isn't it? You become really self-conscious of it. Anyway, oh, hi the, to you both. There's a po- podcast I listen to where the, the co-presenter abuses the co-host all the time for the length of pause between the hellos. Oh, dear. Oh dear. Well, we'll not get into that because we're, we're just before we hit the button, been talking about James and taming the tongue. So we're going to be really lovely to each other. That wasn't unlovely. <laughs> I wasn't saying you were. Oh, my goodness. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying for the benefit of the listener that today we're going yeah, to be, we're gonna be extra really lovely towards each other. Yeah, yeah. extra lovely. Uh, now, there is no correspondence this week. So I thought we would just move straight to the adverts, if that's OK. okay. Yep. So firstly, uh, if you're a keen follower of the SBS social media channels, you will have been aware of the Share the Bible videos that have been popping up over the last few years. These are short testimonies of people who live in Scotland, uh, really about how the Bible has impacted their lives. And I was having a little look at the latest two the other day. They're available to download from the SBS website. They're they're really, really good. <laughs> so that sounds as though I don't think other things are really good, but they, I, I was just really captivated by them when I was watching the other day. So the first one is from David, who works for Glasgow City Mission and his story is all about discovering the God of liberation um, through the Bible uh, in a wee church in Greenock. He talks about going to this wee church and talks about his journey through addiction actually and finding um, you know, how God is, is a liberator. And then Dorothy's story, that's about an encounter with a recently released prisoner and how that opened up a whole ministry to her. So she talks very openly about her role as a prison chaplain and really the need that she had to wrestle with grace and what grace looks like in that context. They are really good little videos and obviously they're worth a look just, you know, to encourage you as an individual. But also I think what the the aim of this is that we would like to encourage people to download and use them as a means of opening up conversation really with other Christians about how the way we share the Bible has an impact on on other people. So they're not so much designed as a kind of evangelistic tool. They're more designed to encourage Christians together to think about how um, sharing the Bible is something that they can do with confidence that has an impact on people's lives so you can use it in a service you could use it in a small group or obviously you could share it on your social media so you can check those out that's on the sbs website and then is it on socials as well did you say uh yes i have it's popped up on my socials so obviously i'm i'm on the algorithm algorithmic pattern and just so yeah, we can so be specific here it's sbs on insta is that what they're mainly on instagram facebook twitter x sorry x is it now is. <laughs> yeah not tiktok not yet not yet. Uh, now, speaking maybe of... Not. Maybe not. <laughs> yes, yes, and maybe not ever. Uh, speaking of uh, small videos, Neil, have you seen Jen talking about Bibles for Bairns? No. Where is this? Oh, you see, you're obviously not in the target. I'm, I clearly... I'm, I'm not on Instagram very often, and I've left Bible stuff to get this. Uh, I'll have you. It's on I'm, Facebook also. Okay. And anyway, anyway, Jen, there's a lovely little video clip of you talking about Bibles for Bairns that's that's doing the rounds at the moment. Yes. And Bibles for Bairns is open for registration. That's Do you want right. to tell us more about, about that? Bibles for Bairns. If you know a baby who was uh, born in 2023, you or their parents' carers, if you are the parent carer or if you're a friend or a, some relative, 
as long as you ask the parent carer, you can register that baby to receive a free storybook Bible on their first birthday, which obviously will be in 2024. And then when they're two, three and four years old, they'll receive a birthday card from us and an another wee gift to help you do more fun things with the story Bible. And then on their fifth birthday, they'll receive a children's Bible. So it's a great opportunity. And what we really we want listeners to do, if you know the babies, you can register them, but to spread the word and to speak to people in toddler groups or in your community who you know have got this age of baby and uh, see if they want to register their child. That would be a great way to do it, wouldn't it? That, you know, a toddler group, at sort of it became part oh, of their yeah. thing yeah. that they do yeah. uh, as they register and we, people. And we have We've leaflets, posters, PowerPoints for you to use in those situations to tell people about it or just direct them to the social media or share our social media. Um, but they'll be free to download within the next few weeks. Fantastic. And uh, if people want to know more about that, they can find out on the website or contact you directly or is that going to swamp you? with? If they go onto the website, there's a special uh, Bairns email address right. that you can uh, get in touch with me. That'd be great. Very good. Very good. Well, that's all the announcements. Lots of uh, stuff to engage with there. Do check out the SBS website. And of course, we the plea is going out we love correspondence so do get in touch outspoken at scottishbiblesociety.org to let us know how you're getting on any questions any comments um yeah get in touch now it's time for glover's others and we have heard about bilha jethro aaron balaam joshua rahab jetha's daughter pulmoni almoni obedidom hagar the three allies of david we've had a passage from isaiah then amos then Abimelech or Abimelech and it's now a new theme is that it right? Is. Yeah. For? Meanwhile who's your other today? Who on earth are they? Where do they fit in? And what's their story? Glover's Others B-list characters you really don't want to miss It is Baruch uh, Baruch, which I really like. It means blessing. Don't pronounce him Baruch, no. No? <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> Where's that from? Is I that just right? made it up because you said Abimelech. Oh, yeah. So now there is a new sequence started and it, it because the prize was won. Who won it? Was it John Hodge? It was, wasn't it? It was John Hodge, yeah. Um, so the theme previously was wells and water. Now, Abimelech was the last one of the previous sequence but he's also the first one of the new sequence so the new sequence goes abimelech baruch i need to swap the connection um anyway the yeah he's he's remarkable so he's a scribe for jeremiah and he takes down a prophecy of jeremiah who which is pretty grim for the leaders of the day and they take it to the king and when it's read out to the king, what he does is he takes a pen knife of the scroll that Baruch has written out and every three or four lines, he just takes a, a big swipe through the scroll and throws it into the fire. And uh, Baruch and Jeremiah rewrite the scroll. And then a little bit later on, Jeremiah is prophesying and saying to the people, do not go down to Egypt. The Babylonians are coming down. Jeremiah says, do not flee to Egypt. And But eventually the people do. And Jeremiah decides to go with them along with Baruch. And Baruch is this kind of supporter all the time to Jeremiah. And in Jeremiah 45, God speaks a word to Baruch saying, I've heard your complaint. I know that you're weary with groaning, but I promise you this, that you will always have your life as a prize for war. He's going to look after him. And I love Baruch because he's a scribe and 
this is a podcast about a text, which is about the Bible. I love him as well because he's a companion to Jeremiah. And later on, we're going to talk about the importance of having companions in what we do. And I love his name because it just means blessed. Uh, the one who is blessed, or as um, Frederick Beekner uh, says, a better translation in today's world might be uh, lucky or even fortunate. He's one who God's power rests upon. So that's he's number two in the new sequence of, of B-sides, and it's Baruch, Baruch, son of Nariah. Fantastic. I mean, I don't want to spoil it, but it's not just alphabetical. Is it? Oh, no, have I spoiled it? So, I'm so sorry. It's it, this is because you got Abimelech and then Baruch. So it's there's more to it than just the alphabet. Something else to be discovered. So crack on. But with you're, that. you're warm. But I'm warm with that. Okay. All right. Thank you. You're right. I'm just laughing because I thought the last ones were so obvious <laughs> that I couldn't believe that people weren't getting them, and now you've like got this one in one. <laughs> It's because it's, it's practice. Practice is making, you know, just connecting the synapses. Now, last time we spoke, Barnabas and Saul were delivering a gift from the Christians in Antioch to the Jerusalem church. And we then heard of Peter's miraculous escape from prison. That's the last we'll hear of Peter. It's quite sad, isn't it? Um, but we're going to pick up the story today of Barnabas and Saul back in Antioch. Uh, we're reading from Acts chapter 12, verse 25, the very end of the chapter, through to 1428. There is, as ever, a link in the show notes. So if you want to read it before listening any further, now's your moment to pause the episode and read or listen to the verses. Now, Antioch. We talked about that a bit last year, last time. We talked about the, the diversity of it. We talked about um, the the welcome that there was for uh, Paul. We talked about Barnabas being this encourager. They've returned from Jerusalem, it says in verse 25, and they take with them John, who's also called Mark. He'll maybe come up in discussion later on. And uh, then we get this list of people who, who comprise mm. the church in, in Antioch. Is there anything there in those names, Neil, you're the expert on names and things, that kind of tells us something about the nature of the church? They are so diverse and Antioch is a diverse community. So, um, yeah, diversity is not a, a modern construction. It is something that was built right into the early church. In fact, one commentator would later say that Paul's churches were the most multicultural communities and most uh, demographically diverse communities that were known in the ancient world. Last time we chatted about Herod and then oh, we yeah. got... Manny, yeah, yes. yes, that's how you pronounce who was brought up with them. Yes. And yeah. we talked about how evil Herod was. Mm -hmm. And yet here's somebody who's brought up with them. I don't know what that means. And a slave, an mm. adopted brother, or I don't know. But uh, he's obviously come out a very different person yeah. Yeah. <laughs> from who he was brought up with. Yeah. So he's the kind of, there's some speculation that he was Luke's insider when all the kind of stuff about going on in the court of Herod that we mm. get at various uh, points. Yeah. Uh -huh. uh, that he might have been oh, the person who knew uh -huh. all. And then we've got Lucius of Cyrene, so he's North African. Uh -huh. Barnabas is from Cyprus. Um, it doesn't tell you that, but it tells you that earlier when we've met Barnabas. And uh, we've also got Simeon, who's from called the Niger, which I think means black. And so he's a black African. So, yeah. I, uh, I was oh, yeah I was also thinking about this sort of the diversity of spiritual gifting as well so it, it says that there were prophets and teachers and, and I think sometimes you know if, we, if you think about sometimes you, you, you think about teaching and prophecy and evangelism and pastoral work and kind of apostolic work as there's a sort of fivefold yeah. thing prophecy and teaching to me feel very different gifts 
Mm. So the, the prophet is the one who's kind of connected into listening to what God's saying and, yeah. and a little bit otherworldly in some senses, actually. And whereas the teacher is very much about the solidity of 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 getting the orthodoxy right, isn't it? Although he's going into the next sen- the next sentence. Yeah. You know, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said. Yes. So it's, it, it feels like um, that otherworldly connection with God is a central part of their worshipping life together, isn't it? Which is maybe, a, I mean, would it be too much to say that that, that would be quite a healthy, healthy um, use of the prophetic. Mm. You know, that the, yeah. the, the prof- prophecy is not just for a little group of people who are prophetic, but it's for the yeah. whole body, mm. you know, so it's integrated into into worship and mm. seeking. Yeah, and then they all, they, all, they all lead their hands. Do they all? And they all agree. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Uh-huh. yeah. And uh, I think we mentioned this last time, but you know there would have been a temptation to to stick around Antioch and have a lovely time mm. together. Mm. But actually, that's not that's not what's happening here. There's this propulsion out, and um, it's a yeah, yeah yeah first time that this has happened. Really, you know, other propulsions out have been because of the great persecution. Yeah, you know, it had to happen, or uh, Philip getting whipped away to the yeah. desert road. Uh, this is the first time the church as a group hear from God to say this is they have to go. It doesn't actually say. Where does it? They they make uh-huh. there is practical decision making, doesn't it? Uh-huh. About where they go, but they've not to stay where they are. Yeah. yeah. There's possibly something else going on here. So the Galatians incident where Paul falls out with Peter, that probably the best place to fit that into the Acts timeline is probably here. Um, because yes. it's after the visit to Jerusalem and they're in Antioch. So it's kind of interesting, firstly, that Luke doesn't tell us at any point when that fallout happened. Mm-hmm. But also, it, it's just interesting that if it does happen here, then there's two kind of perspectives on what's going on. One very positive, which is Luke's version, which is this is a move of the Spirit sending out Paul. But one is is quite difficult and negative, which is mm. Paul confronting Peter about the um, eating with the Gentiles or not. And just I'm quite struck by the fact that it could be both going on yes. at, at the same time yes mm. and we'll, we'll maybe come back to that next time as well i realize as well in my introduction you know i said we don't hear of peter again but we do in acts 15 don't we yeah briefly at the yeah. Council of jerusalem yeah but we might come back to that whole discussion of the, the sort of tensions good and yeah. Yeah. well are they good or bad within within the early church um come think about that and there's also this thing about john mark do you want to talk about john mark just now so i was reading something jen you you I think read more of Tom Wright's commentary than I did, but mm-hmm. I think it's Tom Wright who talks about the fact that it might be reading too much into it. But there's no mention of them laying mm. on hands on on John yeah, Mark. Yeah, it feels to be a bit like John Mark's in a joined up with them for the ride uh-huh. for the for the trip, <laughs> tagged along, which is okay. I mean that that kind of happens, doesn't it? Um, because it is a lovely blend of being spirit led but also making practical decisions, which I like because that's life, isn't it? You know you. Mm-hmm. We, maybe we've experienced a call from God, but you still have to make practical decisions of where you're going, what boat you're getting, and, mm. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and who's coming with you. But I've, I think sometimes I get I get frustrated in the Christian church when sometimes people and Christian organisations or people are put into posts without going through the rigorous sort of test of a calling. And yeah. by rigorous, I just mean being interviewed, filling out an application form. You know, the, these things help you know am i called are the people i'm going to work with am i called to them do they feel the call and so when and tom wright talks about this but it's been my experience as well that when 
you know a call in your life, whether that's a general call that then becomes a specific call to a particular place or, or job, that call really matters as time passes and things get difficult and it's not so much fun and there's challenges and it's a struggle. Yes. Knowing that call from God helps you to keep going. So the, what Tom Wright was saying was, was, you know, did John Mark, because he just kind of joined in with the trip, when things got tougher, he he didn't have that yeah. sense of this is really what I should be doing. This is where God wants me to be. be so I'll just go back to Antioch. So, uh, so yeah, so so they're sent off. They're sent off out, and and the we, we then have this sort of description that the first journey is very much a whole list of place names, isn't it? Yeah. So it's quite hard to get hold of it. Uh, has anyone been using a map? To yes. Out? Yeah, oh. I've got my map. Did, well did you not use? Did you have them in your Bibles? Like I, I used, used to, to read them, them in church. Our, our oh, church pew yeah. Bibles had them. See, mm-hmm. I think I've got a bit of a thing. I don't like ma- the maps. I like maps. I mean, I would use maps now with young people all the time, sort of mm-hmm. finding where, and other, not just young people, every, like where places are, and that's really important. But as a young person in Bible class, we had a an end of Bible class exam. What? Oh, right. It was the name of somebody, the Memorial Prize. Oh, oh right. And we had this jotter all through the year. And you ha- one of the things I vividly remember is gluing printed out maps into the jotter. I mean, I mean uh-huh. why, would we, why would we even do that? We just give you the book with the maps. Anyway, so <laughs> I, I, I just didn't even like the feel of that, like the glued-in maps. Yes. So And then we had to write these exam questions, which I think were quite a lot about, Paul. And I won the prize, I must say. Of course. But, um, yeah, so I think I went, I went I'm off Paul. Just put those particular maps, Paul's mm-hmm. journey maps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel a bit of an antithesis towards them, but they're very useful. Yeah, no. Well, I, I understand what you're saying. I, I really like them, and I, similar to you, Neil, I used to sit and look at them at the, the back of my Bible in church. But I, I tell you what, I would have really found helpful would have some if somebody had actually helped me connect where those different places were mentioned in in the Bible. Yeah, and you what know, they so, did so there. the references and what they did yeah. there. Yes, it could be drawing. Yes, one. Like. Yes, so I would say I'm pretty clear on the fact that the first, second, and third journeys of Paul are 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 distinct. But you know, it's really taken me till quite old age yeah. to. Read that and think, oh yeah, that's the first journey. They're they're <laughs> often drawn journey. on the same map, aren't they? With mm. with like a dashed line for one and a dotted oh, line yeah, for another, yeah, and you've oh. got to try and. Yeah, but yeah. I'm just going, Paul. What what were you doing? I mean, th- those distances. Yes. I mean, those are already significant journeys today. I mean, they the, they did have these Roman roads, and it did certainly make it easier. And there was the quotes Pax Romana, which meant you were less likely to be attacked. But uh-huh. still, like, I. So, so you mentioned the book. Um, one of the things that's come through from the book for me is just how much I love Paul. I just take my hat off to the sheer courageous energy of mm. him covering all these uh-huh. distances. I mean, it was a, li- a life given over completely, wasn't it? Mm. To telling mm. people about Jesus. Yes. Yeah. All the energy, all the commitment, all the time. And w- and with people. I mean, I-, I love this one that they go to Cyprus. And you imagine Barnabas saying, oh, you know, I came from Cyprus. Could we go go home? <laughs> Yeah. Paul's like, yeah, right, let's go there. And and then, but when they get to Cyprus, it's like Paul kind of steps into the lead, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Like, uh-huh. you know, he's in his Roman culture and he's he's moving into that position when he's the one that's going to do the teaching and the engaging with people. We were j- talking about people traveling far and wide to tell people about Jesus. We just we were in Northumberland on holiday. And we went to Holy Island, as you do. I wanted to do the Pilgrim's Way by walking, but we decided our dog was too old and too adverse to water to do it. So we drove. Um, but I, w- I was struck by Aidan and Cuthbert, particularly Aidan, you know, who came from 
I- Iona right over to Northumberland and must have sailed in a probably rubbishy wee boat uh, to get over to the mainland and everything. And at another point, we went out to the Farne Islands in a very robust boat and it was huge waves. Well, I thought they were huge waves. And I was thinking about them. I thought, oh my goodness, you know, I'm scared going out to see a few seals. But they did that because they wanted to share Jesus, ultimately. Yes, yes. Yeah. I, I think so. I was I was out last night um, at an event in Mount Vernon, uh, which was tricky because there was a Celtic game on. So to, if anybody knows Glasgow, to get from Denison to Mount Vernon when there's a a Celtic European match on it's a tricky business so I felt that was a journey in and of itself uh, but it, I was basically there to uh... <laughs> yes listeners we have just compared Paul's first no, missionary wait, journey to wait. getting about the East End of Glasgow Junior see, Celtic match see what you've just done is you've, you've ruined my punchline because I was about to tell you what I was going to do and my realisation when I got there that anyway sorry I well have... you ruined mine earlier on it's true it's true I have two friends called Ian and Bryony who uh, were part of uh, St George's Tron Church in, in the city centre here uh, and three years ago just during Covid actually they decided to sell everything and go and buy a boat uh, a yacht uh, a catamaran actually and uh, they, they felt this is what they should be doing they weren't sure what that was going to look like they went to the Caribbean and they have set up a YouTube channel Real Red Seas I would highly recommend it's really engaging um, and they've been away for three years and they, they basically sailed all around the Caribbean did a whole lot of different things they then travelled through the Panama Canal and then across the Pacific took them 40 days to get across the Pacific goodness biblically um, and I mean if you watch their YouTube stuff it's fascinating because it's really hairy hairy stuff um, and that's them just back to visit and they're, they're going back out to French Polynesia shortly um, but one of the things they were talking about was the, was the community of people who sail and it was it was mm. making me think about this passage because I've been reading it in advance that you know they encounter in some ways it's a sort of they encounter people and they might never see them again but then they might they might see them on the other side of the ocean they might see them in a different mm. country uh, they might know somebody who knows somebody else and they, and and that's really where they've they reckon you know god is really using them is amongst not so much the people who live in the places they're going to but actually amongst the sailing community yeah. who, who kind of dot about really interesting uh, but it, it has made me realize again just how dangerous traveling in a boat is mm-hmm. yeah that was a very long reply to your thing, Jen, about about the know, Farne Islands, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Farne Islands, t- uh, two nautical miles from shore, um, <laughs> as opposed to forty days across the Pacific, seeing nobody <laughs> apart from some potential yeah. pirates. But I think as well, what I'll, as soon as they get to Cyprus, they go to the Jewish synagogue, and, and this is not a comment on your friends because they've actually gone to a community, haven't they? They end up going to a community, but they go to the synagogue where there are people who are worshiping God. They don't go oh, well, we're just going to forget about what's already happening here. And I think there probably had been people over already uh, sharing Jesus. We're going to go to the local people who are worshipping and we're going to spend time with them uh, talking about what we know and sharing Jesus. Now, they might end up, as we find out, getting kicked out and facing lots of problems. They don't go and say, well, we're going to ignore that. We're just going to do our own thing. We're going to set up our own church because we've got the truth. Mm. We've we've got all the right knowledge. We we know Jesus, and we're no point in connecting with the local people here, who worship because they've got it wrong. Now, if you know the church in Scotland or the UK, you can see that sometimes that's what happens, isn't it? You know, people go in and they they, they just, or it seems, uh, they don't connect with people who are already there. Um, they they just do their own thing. There's a there's a thing which is great credit I think to the Billy Graham organisation because I think they will only ever go to a place if they have the invitation of the local churches. Have I got that right? And I think... I think it certainly used to be that way. I'm not, I'm not sure now. Um, and certainly I know that when Holy Trinity Brompton do church plants, 
they will only ever go at the invitation, in their case it's an Anglican setup, so they'll only go at the invitation of the local bishop. So it's that principle of honouring what's already there. Mm-hmm. Whereas I was talking to a, a church leader in, in a Scottish city of late, and he was saying if there was a specific country where lots of church planters keep coming from, he said if I get another church plant of young urban professionals from this certain country landing on my doorstep again. I I don't know what I'll do because it's just happened so many times mm-hmm. without without any connection. So it's mm-hmm. that And when he means landed in his doorstep, he means they haven't actually landed in his doorstep. Yeah, true. They've, true. they've done they uh-huh. haven't come and seen him. No, no. Uh, yeah. They've they've yeah. booked into a hotel two hundred yeah. yards up the road. Yeah. yeah. And not to say as we said, I said at the start that and you might do that and it wouldn't work out and you had to go and do something else. We're not saying that isn't ending up doing the thing that might that Paul often has to do, but it's the right place. Paul always starts by going to the synagogue. It's his pattern, isn't it? Yeah. And, and, the, and the other thing not mentioned by Luke here, but we find out later on, is, of course, is he's getting local work as well. So a lot of the time he's going in as a tent maker because that's how he's managing to pay for all this. Mm-hmm. And inevitably he's going to be meeting people in the in the tent trade. Which, I mean, which brings me back to Brian and Ian. I mean, it is. It's, it's it, one of the things that really came through when they were talking last night was it's it's it reminded me of the fact that when you go somewhere, it's often when you have a need mm-hmm. that you encounter mm. a depth of relationship with people, isn't it? So, so you know, you have a need to make tents, and yeah. you make people, you meet people, and you have a conversation with them, and you you become, I suppose, to some extent, for a short time, part of that community. Yeah. And it also it. it Although we've said, you know, there's a sense it could seem a bit frantic what Paul's doing, but actually the sense that he's a tent maker, it slows down that frantic nature. Mm. It makes it uh-huh. more part of real life. So in yes. the real ordinariness of life, of having to make things to get money, to buy food, to survive, he's in these places doing what Jesus is, the Holy Spirit and Jesus have set him apart to do. Yes. So maybe, and maybe partly that's, maybe I'm thinking too deeply for a teen, my, my teenage years, but my aversion to the maps. Uh-huh. There was no sense of reality. It was I, just I this, was just going to, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just this really, that's what I was thinking yeah, about. This strange person who was jumping about from here to there and yeah. talking about Jesus when that wasn't what he was doing. Just yes. as you beautifully described, Fiona, I know he was there in the community with the people doing his trade. Yes. And often in churches, sometimes in churches, <laughs> in my experience, um... We separate out, we've talked about this before, haven't we? We separate out the spiritual and the practical. And when you're saying your friends there have got, they've got a boat or ship, I don't want to differentiate. They've got a skill of sailing and they're doing what they do and meeting people and sharing Jesus. Uh Or or maybe you're, you know, you're a joiner or you're a builder or you're a chef. You know, are we setting these people apart to say in the place where you are, you know, God has called you mm-hmm. to share him. Yeah, yeah. which comes yeah. back, Neil, to what you were talking about, wasn't it? That that mainline sense of the, the minister's called, but everybody else is just following along. I don't yeah. mean just following along, but, you, you know. Well, yeah, although they, they might say they're, or even they might say they're called, but we never talk about it in the church. Nobody yeah. nobody stands up and says, oh, mm, this is my yeah. calling, this is what yeah. I feel I'm doing, and it's honouring that that yeah. story. Yeah. It, yeah. Just going back as well to, to what you're saying, Jen, you know about the, you know, it's, it's, it's a terrible reduction to turn these into maps with lots of dots and arrows mm. when it was actually much more yeah. rich than that. And just looking ahead to the speech, eh, that the, the two speeches that Paul does in Antioch and Poseidon, which are right in the middle of Turkey. And eh, there's a verse that says, um, 
as Paul and Barnabas were going out, so he's made the first speech, probably come back to that in a minute, the people urged them to speak about these things again the next Sabbath. And then you've got a whole seven days mm. where they're now going to be immersed in that community, tent making, needing food, needing to have hospitality. And that is what's going to immerse them in, in the life and then get them ready. So the next Sabbath, we hear that the whole city turned out. Yeah, loads of people turn up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's going on yeah I, I was also thinking about the maps that it, it, it maybe it's because of these you know these maps you get on airplanes that have they, they show you all the different routes that mm, the, yes. the, the airline goes yeah it, you know and it becomes very much driven by the journey rather than the mm. or driven by the destination rather yeah. than, the, yeah. than the journey itself yeah so mm. alongside the bible references on those maps i would also put in a plea for a little thing that tells you how long they stayed yeah <laughs> and it's becoming a whole interactive like bar jesus thing yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It could be so, an app, couldn't you? You could click on the different yeah, places and you could get be, yeah. a video of like. Oh, amazing. I'm sure, the Anyone... Bible Project could do something like that. Yeah, exactly. Maybe they have. Maybe they have actually. <laughs> um, good. So, so they're, they're, we find them in Cyprus. They, you know, we've, we've jumped ahead a wee bit there to talking about the um, synagogue. But what about this encounter with uh, Margie's and Sergius Paulus? And yeah, what, what, and Elemis? Yeah. It's interesting. I, I thought, uh, interesting that the, Sergius Paulus, the Roman, is the one who wants to, who's drawn to Jesus, yeah, and, and is interested in in what Paul's talking about, and it's the the Jewish person who's breaking Jewish law by being involved in witchcraft and whatever he's doing sorcery. That is the barrier mm-hmm. to what what God is doing. But, but it's I the think, religious person, that, yeah, the person who, it, on the face of it, yeah, 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 and and also this thing that uh, these are spiritual forces at work here, mm-hmm. um, which are, and yeah. uh, I was reading um, Alistair McIntosh's pilgrimage uh, through Harrison Lewis, um, Poacher's Pilgrimage, I think it's called, mm-hmm. and and he talks about how the the Western culture flattens out that sense of the of the spiritual all the time, whereas it, when he moves in the in the islands in particular, people have this spiritual sense mm. all the time. Mm-hmm. It, at one point, he, he talks about even having to contend with darker forces and, and needing protection from them. In the, the prayers of the Gallic uh, church, there's lots of prayers of protection from 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 evil spirits and sorcerers, and that's that's what's going on. But I, I, I nonetheless think there is something, isn't there, here about we, we ignore the presence of deliberate evil at our peril. Hmm. Yeah, the the and 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 spiritual powers. So one of uh-huh. the things that, I mean, th- this is showing up here. Maybe not. Well, maybe is. So one of the problems I think we sometimes make in terms of our work with organisations, particularly Christian organisations, is we don't take account of the spirituality of an organisation. And there was a scholar called Walter Wink who looked a lot into this, and he said that in the New Testament, a power or an authority was either a named person, like, what's his name, Sergius Polonius? Well, he's got two names, which Sergius. I think is interesting, because he's bar Jesus, but he's actually... Oh, oh no, I'm talking oh. about the... Oh, sorry, the Roman. Roman. Sorry, Roman. sorry, yes, I have. Yeah. yeah, so it can either be a named individual like Sergius Paulus, or it can be a, an, a kind of empire, a kind of an abstract authority like the Roman Empire or the Sanhedrin, yeah. or it can be a spiritual power. But what Wink points out is there are a number of passages, like in Colossians, where it says Christ created all powers, where it's pretty ambiguous whether 
which one of those is being talked about and what wink said was actually they're the same thing so what you're dealing with is the the roman empire is both a spiritual power uh an abstract concept which is then headed up by people but it has an existence beyond any of these which is why even though all the personnel change you know 300 years later 400 years later the Roman Empire still behaves in the same way because the animating power behind it is is there and I think that happens in church organizations Uh, I think that once again to use my own denomination I can read reports from committees um, that have been written in the 70s that could have been written yesterday because they're dealing with the same same powers and what Wink says is the only way you can engage with this is spiritually. He takes his cue from Ephesians chapter 6, where it says we wrestle against flesh, and and not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual powers. So we pray, we put on the armour of God, we engage with spiritual powers. Yes, you get, in this wee bit about when they come to Paphos, you know, Sergius Paulus invites them to come and speak. So obviously they're doing so much and they're talking so much and they're so much part of the community that he you know, he's aware of them and he wants them to come in. And so there they are, right in the heart of government, really. Like the, if you want to use the, the top of society or the controlling part of society. And I was struck, as it comes back to what we've been saying about the, the ages of, of, of the liminal spaces, because I was struck when I was in Northumberland that you see Aidan and Cuthbert being at Lindis Farm, which is on the edge, but actually in the era they were mm-hmm. there, they were right next to Bamborough Castle, which was the controlling place of power for a huge swathe of, of England. And so they, although they, were rem- they weren't really remote, they were right there in the heart of political power. And this is what we see with Paul. He's right there um, talking to those who are in control and in power of what's, what's happening. Very interesting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I th- and I think the Ephesians 6 reference is I think the Ephesians 6 reference is um, helpful into that as well isn't it Be- because the temptation would be to go in with words a- a- and not ha- having taken the time to, to-, to pray on that armour and, and, and yeah. really you know it's the sword of the yeah. spirit isn't it it's yeah, not, yeah. not yeah. the sword of Paul yeah. that's coming into that and, it's, yeah, and it says when you and then it's that and it's then that it says then Saul, who was also called Paul, I think that's the last time that'll be said. Yeah. Is that right? Um yeah. because he's then Paul from then on, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elimus. and he's that's happened before as it hasn't. I think Peter at the start of Acts, he looks straight at the man who was mm-hmm. paralyzed. And here's Paul mm-hmm. doing the same thing. It's like it's like through the Holy Spirit there's an ability to see into the heart of mm-hmm. the person you talk, which I always I always live in fear of that someone would do that to me. <laughs> I think if you live in fear of it, you're probably all right. Although the one oh, time no, no, it's no. happened it, at the prophetic center for me, so I went to the the, the prophetic center, um, and I was terrified exactly of what you're describing, Jen. That kind of they're going to look into my heart and see all these terrible things going on. It's like an X-ray machine on my mind, and they were so affirming. It was mm. such a, it was a, it was a one of the most profound experiences I've had. But, yeah. And and I, I need to correct myself because I know that uh, God's love casts out all fear. Yeah. And and the Jesus who loves me, you know, if He's got things to say to me, He'll say them to me, yeah. and He'll yeah. do it because I'm His child and He loves me. He's not going to like hit me over the head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a perception of who God is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because this Miss Man isn't the child. He's the child of the devil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Paul says yes, and and I don't think Paul would just say that from Paul, would he? 
No. That, that's the indication, isn't it? Yeah. That, that, that there's a spiritual, there's a spiritual authority at work here, isn't there? Yeah. Uh, and immediately now, Jen, you were a bit when we were discussing this in advance. You were a bit thrown, well, a bit. Um, you didn't really like the fact that we're just left not knowing what happens. Yeah. Well, he just so Paul Paul says these things to him, really harsh things, full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting? Which he is doing, stopping this man from believing. Um, and then he. He won't see the light of sun for a while. And then off he goes. Mist and darkness comes over him. He gropes about and he looks for someone to take him by the hand. And that's it. We don't know. Did someone take him by the hand? <laughs> Was he just left groping around and wandered off into the city? I just find that quite sad. Like, please somebody come and take his hand. Give him a chance. <laughs> Maybe someone like Ananias eh, who that's looked right. after, <laughs> after Paul. Yes. Yes. Yeah. He was only blind for a time, though. Yeah, we he's hope. not blinded forever. But on, yeah. the, but on the other side, the proconsul saw what happened. He believed, but mm. he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. And we've got and so now that man's going again. Yeah, that man's go- And I know I feel sorry for that man, Bar Jesus, and I want to know what happened to him. It was only through his removal that the proconsul mm-hmm. was able to believe. Oh, yes. which is yeah. another thing as well, isn't yeah. it? That sometimes yeah. these people need to be gone, and you, you then think, who is that? There's something very symbolic as well, isn't there, about him being blind? So it it's almost becomes a physical manifestation of something that's already the case. And I, I find that that um, the phrase, you will be unable to see the sun, that's quite an interesting picking up on blindness. It almost yeah. that you're unable to see God, you're unable to see the sun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was Cyprus, and we, we now move on. So mm. uh, they sail to Perga in Pamphylia, which is in... Man with the maps. South of, <laughs> south, of um, south of Turkey. South of Turkey. Well, I might have been on holiday near there actually at some point. Now that I think about it, um, and so, so again, there's this thing of he goes to the synagogue and he sits down. So that's the the, the pattern that we see, don't, mm-hmm. isn't it, mm-hmm. when he comes to a new place? Uh, reading the law of the prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent word to them saying, "Brothers, if you have a word of exhortation for the people, please speak." And as you mentioned earlier, Neil, they they have it. He has the opportunity to speak, and then you know there's the seven day period, then more people come. Uh, and we see an example of how he communicates yeah. with the um, population that he encounters there. So he's talking mm-hmm. to the Israelites, but also to the Gentiles who worship God. What are we making of, of his his use of the Old Testament, his terminology? It's interesting he goes for the king thing, doesn't he? He doesn't, he doesn't go for Moses and Joseph and Abraham. He, he, he moves over that quite quickly really, uh, and he, he gets into Judges and then Saul, his namesake, of course. Um, and this whole it's this whole thing that David, who was the man after God's heart, he, he is the one that Jesus, who is the king that we've all been waiting for, has come from. It's, I mean, it's really, he, he knows, mm-hmm. he, he, well, he knows these people. I don't know, I don't know what these people would have been thinking, but he knows, and he wants to focus on the kingship and the Jesus coming from David. Yes. I, I like as well that he, in verse 26, when he, when he says, fellow children of Abraham and God free and gentle, he's kind of sort of saying, it, it's almost like he, t- he tells that story, doesn't he? And then he says, and you are the children of a- Abraham. Fellow children, we are the children of Abraham. This is, a, this is your story too. And he, he starts, he does start off with that inclusive language. And we're always yeah. told when we're preaching, aren't we, that we, you know, we should always be inclusive. It's always us. It's always we. It's not it's not you. I'm not telling you what to do. This is this is God telling us. But Paul switches, doesn't he? 
he talks about this is us, this is we, but then he says, um, I want you to know mm-hmm. that through Jesus the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed. And that's the message, isn't it? Um, it it's transformational life. And they're ap- afterwards they're just absolutely desperate to not let him go. They want to hear more. Well, some of them. Some of them are a bit jealous. Yeah. 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 Wish they'd never asked him to speak. You imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> who was that? Who, who asked him? Who invited him to speak? I like the idea that the message yeah. is so transformative and enticing. People are begging. It's almost like this is what we've been waiting for all our spiritual lives for this sense of release. Um, yeah. That you'll be mm-hmm. set free from all those sins from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. There's almost a recognition in these people. Yeah. yeah. yeah I've been coming here for years and I don't feel freed from my sins. And now you're coming in and telling me about a thing that. It's almost a gift I didn't know I needed until I was given it. I mean, it really is great yeah, good news, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it's it's interesting as well to compare yeah. this with Paul's letters. So I think the the message here, not me, I think it's there, is is very much there's a new David come in. He's even great. The, the greatest king was David, who's who was after God's own heart. This king's even greater because he didn't experience corruption. That's That's the clincher he was resurrected mm. so it's almost yeah. this great yeah. validation and then he's able to uh, pronounce forgiveness of sins what's not there quite so much anymore is in the 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 cross is seen as a validation of jesus it's not seen uh-huh. yet as certainly in this speech as a place of atonement and i think uh-huh. paul's going to develop that much more as his own journey goes on and particularly as he takes the gospel in, actually, ironically, into a in a Roman pagan world, he's going to develop these words yeah. like justification mm. or redemption or even that word propitiation. It, that's going to come later, but that doesn't appear yet in these speeches and acts. And and so so are you? Uh, am I right in thinking what you're saying? There's he's developing his own theology. As I he think goes, so. But he's also developing his own theology yeah. contextually. Yeah. And then, and then obviously we would we would hold the fact that the Holy Spirit is is yeah. developing the theology of church also. There's a kind of wider thing than, than just Paul's yeah, message. So really. there's nothing contradictory. You know, there's nothing in Romans, which mm-hmm. is probably his kind of high point of theological thought. There's nothing in Romans that contradicts anything here, but it's a, it's a development. So my own thought is that First Thessalonians is probably Paul's earliest letter. There's only a slight reference to the cross as a, a place of atonement in First Thessalonians. Um, it's, it's towards the end of the letter, he says, Christ died for you. Um, and in essence, what he's going to do is he's going to develop that little, what does the for mean uh, as, he, as he goes on? Uh, and that's going to become the Galatians and the, the Ephesians and the First Corinthians and Romans. But I think the speeches. Just just uh-huh. to say there, Neil. So the Thessalonians is the first letter after Acts in the ah, Love, right, Death and Resurrection. Right, so so that yes. confirms your <laughs> yeah. um, I couldn't I couldn't see you holding it up there. I was going, Oh, what does that say? Um <laughs> yeah, but I think the thought in Acts is very close to First Thessalonians. Um and and it's almost like Paul's I don't want to say sales pitch because that sounds it makes it sound crude, but it's the thing he goes in with first, and then he's going to develop it later on. Yeah, and isn't it great that Paul is like us? Is so we're always getting mm-hmm. to know Jesus mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, mm-hmm. I know all. I I I met Jesus, and now I know everything. 
but you know you, you get to, it's not the think what Jesus has done has changed it's his awareness and knowledge and yeah time yeah. spent like, with them almost like you imagine kind of holding something up and looking at it from different angles yeah and, and experiencing more of and, it yeah and he does yeah. emphasize the physical mm-hmm. resurrection is mm-hmm. that significant you know he, he you know he, he makes a point of saying um for many days he was seen by those it, it was this isn't just some spiritual reappearing or like sort of ghost like thing this is a real physical bodily resurrection you think that's mm-hmm. significant that he says that yeah i mean it's huge isn't it because it doesn't experience corruption you know it, it is of the the body so he's pointing to the, uh-huh. the life to come and i also think the almost offhand way that he talks about the many witnesses you know he's, he's not belaboring the point it almost shows a complete confidence in it for him he's mm. he's not that anxious to have to try and prove it he's pretty confident that that's what's yeah. going on and that's echoed later yeah. on in First yeah. Corinthians 15, where he says, you know, he appeared to 500, many of whom are still alive. And it, it's almost an offhand yeah. thing, which uh-huh. I think gives uh-huh. it greater power. Because uh-huh. yeah. you would know that, because you you yeah, yeah. you're living in it. Yeah, yeah. And as ever, there's there's response, there's there's positive and negative response. That, that's going to be, again, a recurring pattern mm-hmm. we're going to find as, as he travels around, isn't it? That there are those who, it talks in, in the NIV at, at verse 48 um, of chapter 13, uh, those who were appointed for eternal life believed. So there's that, you know, really positive. But there are also those who are not happy with this. Um, and they, their persecution is stirred up and they're kicked out and they go on to Iconium. Yep. Map man, where's it's, Iconium? Well, it's a bit crazy. It's suddenly coming back on yourself. It's it's heading right. It's it's heading east. So um, Antioch Poseidon is right in the middle, pretty much. So we've, we've headed out. I always get east and west mixed up. We've headed out west to Cyprus. We've come up. We've gone to the middle of Turkey. We're now heading back right again to Iconian Derby. And then we're going to go right the way across. I mean, the other thing about these maps is, you know, he doesn't look particularly strategic, does it? You know, it's like... Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 I th- yeah, that... I'd love to know their decision-making process. Because <laughs> life is full of decision-making, isn't it? And, like... They just oh like, I haven't been there for a while or I've never been there. Let's, there's quite a lot of people there. Or I heard so and so went there and they talked about Jesus. So we go there and or I know the synagogue. I know someone in the synagogue there. You know, you yeah. I hope that's what it was like. But that doesn't mean the Holy Spirit isn't. That's how the Holy Spirit guides. Yes, I think. And, well, and it's interesting in this first journey, isn't it? Compared to when we when we encounter later on, there's a real sense that Paul wants to get to Rome and then he wants to get to Spain ultimately. So he he's really quite focused by the by the end, isn't he? Mm-hmm. On particularly getting to yeah. Rome, but but also that you think about the man from Macedonia mm-hmm. and the vision there, yeah. so, so, so there was a kind of you know the, the spirit kind of intervenes very very directly there when yeah when we come to later on. But yes, it does feel a bit it feels a bit random, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, so so they keep they keep traveling around, and then can we jump to Lystra? Mm-hmm. So in Lystra, there's a man who's lame, and we, we suddenly we see once again a miracle of somebody being told yeah. to stand up and walk, and, and directly looking yeah. at him again, directly looking at him again. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And he jumps up and he's able to walk. And at that point, people then get completely the wrong idea about who about who these guys are and think that they're they're Zeus and Hermes, not the so, parcel delivery company. Yeah. So Zeus and Hermes is was Hermes. Why is Paul? Why did they associate Paul with Hermes? Hermes is the messenger, and Barnabas yeah. was Zeus' yeah. messenger. Yeah, that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So they they think that Barnabas is the power behind, and and Paul's like the spokesperson. Yeah. 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 Interesting that, isn't it? Uh huh. Yeah. 
And they are very quick to say, no, you've got this, you've got this all and wrong. And so upset. Yeah. I mean, yes. tearing their clothes. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah. Yeah. imagine, uh-huh. you know, we've all done things where we've done events and people come up and go, oh, you're so, you know, you're so brilliant. What you've done is so good and all the rest of it. It doesn't happen that often, but it uh-huh. does happen occasionally. Imagine you did that and you tore your clothes at that point and went, no way, yeah. please don't <laughs> yes. give me any yeah. praise yeah. whatsoever. It, it was God working through me. Yes. Well, Friends, I mean, I think why are you doing this? Yeah. Yes, but there's and there's a lot. I think we do need to learn from that about how we, you know, we've we've talked a lot before in this in this podcast, haven't we, about um the kind of the platforming of people and the, you know the kind of lifting up of people who, yeah, and and how you respond to that when you're you're in that position. It's very clear if somebody, sorry, if somebody thinks it's of you, then it's very clear mm. what you should be doing. Mm. You say it's not of me. There's also a thing as well, isn't there, where I've used. It's a sorry. It's a slightly crude limerick, but it's like um, I will uh, freely confess my faults and let Jesus pour His grace and let another point out my faults, and I want to smash His face in. And <laughs> the, there, there is that kind of thing where we're happy to do it ourselves, but we're not prepared to be challenged by by others. That's the kind of yeah. harder, harder one. And they go further than just saying we're just human mm. like you. They then, they then point it all to Jesus. And these are just beautiful words, aren't they? I mean, it's mm-hmm. like a wee mini spontaneous sermon, isn't it? Yes, you know? yes. We're bringing you yes. good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God and who's made the earth and the sea and everything in them. Yeah. He's not left yeah. himself without testimony. He's shown kindness. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very kind of, it's quite unusual that it appears a little bit in Acts 15, but this sense of God who is for all. And, and we're telling you about the God you've already met, which I, I really like. Mm. But mm-hmm. then, it's the, the, with these words, the difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing yes. to them. So yeah. everybody's cheering. And then the next sentence, and then the Jews arrived and won the crowd over the, and they drag them out and want to kill them. But it's one or the other. It's Yeah, uh, yeah and, and it's all, I find it's all good. I think because we had quite a long chunk of, of text this time. Mm. Yeah. These things are yeah. just sort of slipped yeah. into odd verses, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, by the way, they came and they dragged him out. And they, they, and they thought he, it was that bad. bad. They thought he was dead. I mean that's serious. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a that's huge. Uh-huh. It's a bit like Jesus on the the cliff oh, yeah. edge outside. Um, yes, Nazareth, isn't it? Yes. When they take him out, which yes. again I've got to say, it's the bit... chosen does that so well. Because <laughs> I've always wondered, you know, like why? Why did they stop from throwing him off the cliff? But watch it; it's uh-huh. all through conversation and words. It's very good. And it's once again about power, mm. though, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It comes back to that so often, doesn't it, about who holds power? After the disciples had gathered round him, he got up and went back into the city. I mean, is there some prayer thing going on there? Is the Holy yeah. Spirit because the presence of the other Christians, or the, they just helping him up? Maybe he needs to pick up his tent. It's, it's unbelievable, though, isn't it? I mean, you, to go from almost dead to that back yeah. into the city, and and yeah. we know as well yeah. from Second Corinthians. That this does take its toll on Paul. Yeah, and and once yeah. again, Luke probably is quite keen to present a picture which is is more ironic, for want of a better word. It, it's more, you know, it's not contradictory, but I think you definitely see the pain of it um, later yes. on yeah. in Paul's letters. Yeah, yes. and the next day he's yeah. off off to Derby. Yeah, yeah, and and Mark's gone by this point, and- hasn't he? Is he long gone? 
Oh, he's long gone. Yes, he's long he's gone. Long gone. <laughs> he's long gone. Did he not leave in Cyprus? You, a word for Mark. Like, if he did write the gospel, you know, that's a pretty good second chance that he took. Yes. And there, there's an argument, isn't there, that he goes on and then there's a actually the splitting of the ways is... It yeah, it's multiplies. helpful. And there's also a positive mm-hmm. reference to Mark much later on in one of Paul's letters, so they, they all got it sorted out. I mean, just because he wasn't called to this situation doesn't mean he went off because he was called mm. to something else. Uh-huh. The point we were making was he wasn't particularly called to this. To this, yes. Yeah. Right. Yes, exactly. Well, no, but, there's, exactly. but there is a definite an edge to it, isn't it? Because um, Paul and Barnabas fall out so badly later on about... The sharp yeah, disagreement. About taking him. Mm. Yeah. So I think Paul definitely yeah. thinks, you're yeah, lightweight. Yeah. Something like that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and so there's a bit of revisiting mm. of previous places. There's, so again, I think that that flies in the face of what we sometimes take from that that superficial map reading, that they just keep moving, they keep moving, they keep moving. But there is a lot of, of visiting mm. and revisiting, isn't there? And, and sustaining and uh, uh, maintaining what's been established and, and um, checking in, I suppose. Which mm. we talked about last time about Barnabas. Yeah. He's good at that. He's mm. good at going in and... Yeah just sort of encouraging and checking in. Uh, and then they go back to Antioch and stayed there a long time oh, yeah. with the disciples. Right, we're back again, aren't we? Back back across the Maid. We're in northern Syria yeah. now. Yeah. Had we yeah. worked out? Had you been? Had one of you been to Antioch? No. I, I get mixed up no, with the various not, locations. Not. I think it's. I think it was Damascus. We we realised it was. <laughs> been to. Uh, yes, and so they're they're back in back in Antioch. So so this journey, which again we read, although it was a long chunk to read, it we read it quickly and just you know, think it's three weeks out and three weeks in. But but of course that you know that's that's a lengthy period of time, and a vast amount of um, people affected and and turning to Christ and and growth of the church that that we've seen in this kind of propulsion that's gone on there um, and they leave people as well they don't just disappear they, they put structures mm. in place yes yeah. The yeah. Elders to look yeah. after the churches yeah exactly and again we'll come back to that i guess as we as we go on as well i think i found the the ephesian story with that really interesting in terms of the ephesian elders and so on and yeah this seems to be again the pattern isn't it that um, you appoint leadership and you check in on leadership you don't just leave and people you have to get shared on with it. it's not all on it's not all on Paul. shared leadership yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. And they go back and tell their sending church all about it. Yes, yeah, which is important. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they wrote a prayer letter <laughs> while they were away. I suppose that's yes. what Luke's doing. He's recording it, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> um, anything else that anybody wants to bring up, or have we got some takeaways from today? I, I'm struggling for a takeaway today. Yeah, are you? I could make one up if you wanted. Is it, why? Why am I? Tell me why I'm struggling. No, you could. You don't tell me have why I'm struggling for one. I don't know why I am. I don't know. I don't know. My mine would be around the, the question of of spirituality. Mm. And the flat. I liked your phrase from Alistair McIntosh mm-hmm. about the flattening. Um, that we're, we're we're we're, I I think I can be unaware of the, what God's doing, but I also can be unaware of the, yeah yeah, the spiritual yeah. battle. So I live in that sort yeah. of flat place in between. So that's my challenge. You don't have to have I would a like to have that's one. Okay. <laughs> I might have right, one. Can I, go, Jen, <laughs> yes, could yeah. you have two, please? Well, I think I do have two. I think the thing, there's a thing about naming people's callings. I, what you said, Neil, about, you know, that it's not just about ministry. 
but whatever people are called to in their life um, as they fo as we follow Jesus and, and talking to people with that and encouraging people with that because there is a kind of sense of you see, I suppose I spent a lot of time with young people. You can see that, you know, as if like I have to go and do something exciting for Jesus. That that's how it can become if you don't if you don't do that. So that there's that kind of need to encourage people in the things that they're called to, whatever they might be. And another thing is just that living life. I'm sure I've mentioned this. This is because living life for Jesus where we are. I mean, like a wee thing the other day, I, I put out we had lots of apples in our apple tree, and I put out a box with a wee sign, please take some apples. And one of my neighbours, who I haven't spoken to for ages, came out and said, oh, I took some apples and I was able to make a crumble for my son coming home for, for after school. He's going to think I'm an amazing <laughs> mum because I made this crumble. And that just seems really smart. But it was a connection just uh -huh. by me taking my apples off my tree and putting them in a box. So not to minimise those things. And when we read Paul, we can think it was also dramatic and exciting. But that mm. reminder that he was, he was still doing his job mm. while he did that. Mm. And it, I mean... Exciting. When I say exciting, I mean exciting in all sense of the words. You know, like being dragged outside and tried to be killed. Yeah, yeah. Exciting isn't always positive. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Well, I'm looking at Neil, but he's well, still no, looking. Well, Jen so had two. I like Jen's. Particular takeaway. Yeah, yeah. You're happy yeah. with Jen's. Double takeaway. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> okay, double takeaway. Exactly. Sort of. Yes, anyway. Uh, meantime, Jen, what's the Jen? What's the gen? Trying to keep up with reports, trends, research findings and the latest thoughts? No time to read or listen to all that valuable content? Look no further. What's the Gen will keep you up to date, in touch and on the ball. What's the Gen? Your guide to current thinking. The Gen is a wee follow-up from what Neil mentioned um, last time on our podcast. I do like listening to the podcast, I must say. It's a part of a highlight of my fortnight uh, when, it, when it comes online. I, I'm glad you said that because I do too. Do you, do you think that makes us rampant egoists? It makes me. I do think it makes me feel slightly weird, but I yeah. always enjoy the conversation. It's like I'm not really listening to myself. Anyway, I hope sorry, that's important. Sorry brother. to interrupt. Do you ever have the thing where you go, "Oh, I have this thought, and I'd completely forgot to say it, and then I said it later on." Do you ever get that? Yeah. 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 I hope I said that. Yeah. Anyway, so in the last podcast when I was listening to it, we talked about the transforming Scotland research. I don't think we named it at that point because Adrian had had given the information to Neil and it was about who reads the Bible and how they read the Bible. And so the Transforming Scotland research was done in 2015 with Barna, um, which is quite a long time ago. You know, it's like eight years. So it's quite a big change, especially when we look at what the young people are saying. Um, and so I'm just going to throw out some statistics. I'm not going to make much comment on it, but I think these will give things for us to mull over. So 63% um, of Scots have never read the Bible. That is that's quite large. Um, two percent of Scots read the Bible every day, and only one in seven Scottish Christians read the Bible every day, and three in seven Scottish Christians read the Bible once a week. So, well, I mean, we're not saying you have to read it every day to read it properly, but it's quite a low engagement, isn't it? Um, and then a wee bit about families, children, teens. Uh, Fifty-two percent of Scottish children, aged three to sixteen. Um, oh, this isn't from Barna, sorry. This is from Pass It On from the Bible Society in England and Wales, which was all, also 2014, but it covered children in Scotland. So 52% of Scottish children aged 3 to 16 had never had a Bible story read to them by their parents, which I do think is a huge in um, encouragement for us to share um, Bibles for Bairns because we want these children to have a chance to have Bible stories read to them by their parents or their carers or somebody else in their family. Um 
47% of Scottish children aged 3 to 16 had never read, heard or seen the story of the nativity. And the majority, 67% of them, had never read, heard or seen the story of the crucifixion. Now, as someone who spent a lot of time in my life uh, in schools doing projects with pupils, P6, P7, on Christmas and Easter and thinking we'd, I'd met a lot of children, um, that's still quite a large number. And it'd be interesting if we did that again, isn't it? Because, again, this is, we're talking nearly 10 years ago. Um, and the one that Neil mentioned, I think, I'm going to find this one. Yes, 18 to 24-year-olds are reading the Bible more than any other age group. So, again, this is from the, the Bible Society Research down south. Um, 4% of them daily read the Bible, which is compared to 2% of the general population. Mm. Uh, so... Mm -hmm. And yeah, and sixteen percent of them read it monthly, compared to ten percent of the general population. That also oh, that is transforming Scotland. So I'm reading from Adrian's notes. I'm getting slightly confused. That that bit is transforming Scotland. So that age group are now what uh, mid twenty five mm. plus into their thirties, mm -hmm. and you have to we have to wonder are they still reading the Bible? Yes, uh, that age group who 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 also in another bit of research I read. Um, would be more likely to describe their faith as transforming their lives than previous generations for those who do have faith, which is interesting for your book, Neil. Anyway, not that this podcast is all about your book. So that's just a wee bit from Transforming Scotland, which you, which I think it's a it's maybe some people a lot of people have it maybe, but you can still access it. But um, it's been a wee while, and then the Pass It On Bible Society material you can get that as well, and we'll put links to those in the, in yeah. the notes. Thank you. Sorry for that That's, being a bit number-focused. No, quite number-focused, but no, I think maybe just to go and kind of mull that over and think about that is, 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 is really interesting, isn't it? And just to drill into some, some of those... So, I, I, I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I, I was about to say something. I'm no statistician, so I'm not going to comment. <laughs> and then you have to look up how many were in the research and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I find the interpretation of statistics interesting. Yeah, and how that research was done amongst people who are not in the, in the church. That In particular, I'm interested in that. And reflecting on your, you know, your experience of being in schools and so on, it, it, I think sometimes it depends how the questions are. And there was another um, transforming Scotland report, which was it wasn't that many churches, but it was about um, how the church was helping people engage with the Bible. And maybe we could look at that another time. Um, but one of the things that did come out was that one of the things that was most helpful was when they we talked about it together. So listen to the podcast. Listen to the podcast. There you go preaching to the choir here well uh people i need to go and uh, write thought for the day for tomorrow morning so that the scottish public can hear about the bible um so we're going to bring things to a close thank you both very much for joining us uh next time we are at the council of jerusalem it's a crucial turning point for the church that frankly has an enormous impact i think on i'd imagine most of us listening to this uh so to go ahead um to get ahead rather uh, read acts chapter 15 verse 1 through to 16 verse 5. You'll be glad to hear, Neil and Jen, it's a bit less reading in preparation for next time. Uh, but do join us then for the discussion. The Outspoken Bible is a podcast from Scottish Bible Society. To find ways you can share the Bible, go to scottishbiblesociety.org.